Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. On Good Authority has had over a million downloads, regularly appears on the top 100 career podcast list, and has been named one of the best publishing podcasts by LA Weekly and Kindlepreneur. Please welcome OG Authority host, New York Times bestselling author, Anna David. There are people who launch books, end up just having a nice thing to put on their shelves. Then there are people who launch books that transform their careers and their lives. As a former member of the first group, I strongly urge you to be part of the second. In this show, I talk to entrepreneurs and authors about how to intentionally launch the book that will serve as the best business card and marketing tool you've ever had. Get ready for takeoff. Hi there. Welcome to the podcast that believes that a podcast can be both entertaining and informative. Yes. I talk to best-selling authors. I talk to entrepreneurs. Sometimes I talk to myself. And and, and it's a sort of single-minded focus on how a book can really move the needle in your business and your life. Today's guest re-release of an old episode. I'll be I'll be honest and and tell you um I, I don't know I didn't feel like he was thrilled to be talking to me but I nevertheless persevered and felt that we I got some great information out of him I was very excited to talk to him his name's Peter Shankman he's an author but he's also probably best known for uh, creating Harrow which is help a reporter out a website I talk about all the time because it is a place where anybody can go and sign up. Um, and and get emails, three emails a day, uh, listing different journalists who are looking for sources. And I have seen people, I myself have used it and gotten quoted in Fortune magazine. I've had students use it, and clients use it, and strangers who 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 read my book on good authority and, and heard about it that way and started using it. And they everybody's getting quoted all over the place, thanks to Harrow and uh, my guest, Peter Shankman. So he talks about how to uh, successfully use Harrow. And that is actually something that I talk about in my book to business course. I actually show you, a lot of people will say to me, oh, Harrow, it's just, I'm inundated with emails. I don't want to go through all these emails. I have a way to go through it to spend just a few minutes a day and uh, really put yourself on the map without hiring a publicist, without having to pitch the media. Oh, and so Peter Shankman gives some great tips. I mean, we're talking about coming from the horse's mouth. So I hope you love this episode. And now I give you my conversation with Peter Shankman. Peter, thank you so much for being here. Glad to be here. So you, in addition to being an author, you many times over, you are, I consider you someone who has helped uh, authors get coverage more than anyone else out there. Because the first thing I do as anyone who listens to this podcast knows, is I say, go to Harrow when you're writing your book 
because you are writing a book on this topic. Therefore, you are an expert on this topic. So I say thank you on behalf of all authors, Peter. You're welcome. I'm, I'm, it's nice to see that something I created, God, almost 15 years ago now uh, is, still, is still very popular. So that that's, makes me happy every time I hear it. More popular than ever, it seems like. Yeah, people seem to keep uh, keep using it. I mean, I, there's always a part of me that wants to buy it back, but you, know, you can't go home again. Well, and also there are these poor imitations that I have tried, and I'm just saying they just they suck in comparison. I'm not naming names. Um, so okay, so tell me about the inspiration to start Harrow. How did that happen? Um, so I talk to everyone. I have massive ADHD, and when you have massive ADHD, uh, you talk to everyone. And if if I'm on a plane and you're next to me, unless you fake your death, I don't know everything about you by the time we land. <laughs> and so over time, you know, just through growing up and living in New York City and Boston and California, I, I, I created this, this massive uh, Rolodex of, of, you know, if anyone listening to you under 30, uh, Rolodex is like Outlook, but it has cards and you turn it. And um, I came with this massive Rolodex of thousands and thousands of people. And, and journalists, you know, I, I ran a PR for at one point in my life and journalists knew me and they knew who I was. They said, Peter, hey, you know, I'm doing a story on whatever. You know, everyone, who do you know who does whatever. I said, oh yeah, call this guy or call that guy. And um, over time, more and more journalists started calling me, asking me if, um, you know, hey, I'm doing a story on whatever. And, and the, the straw that brought the camel's back was reportedly, hey, I'm, I'm calling from the Wall Street Journal. A friend of mine at the Times said that, you know, a lot of, you, I'm doing a story on, 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 what was it? On African farming. And my friend said, you have a lot of friends that are sub-Saharan soil experts. <laughs> Sub-Saharan soil experts. I'm like, oh yeah, I was just dating a sub-Saharan soil expert. <laughs> and um, but like 12 hours later, I found a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend at USC knew someone, right? So it's like, all right, this is this is getting a little ridiculous. Maybe if I, what if I put all the queries together and send them out automatically? And you know that led to to what is now a help reporter. That that is amazing. So how uh, my personal experience with Harrow is the very first time I used it, I wrote a two line thing. And suddenly the next day I'm quoted in Fortune magazine. I ended up being quoted million, not, you know, dozens of times by that writer. Then I have written elaborate, amazing things to like blogs that are super random and I never hear back. So what is the secret? Is it just a numbers game? You know, I think it's partially a numbers game, but more more across the more across the the field. I think it's about an early response game. You know, think about this: when the Harrow goes out at five forty five in the morning, by by six o'clock, there are at least a hundred people that have sent in a response um, to every single query. And so, if you're smart enough to know um, your answer, you need to do a couple of things. You need to make sure that your your response is quick, is to the point, is easy. Um, <clears throat> you need to make sure that you can write in such a way that uh, the reporters uh, are willing to use it, that it answers the, all the questions they have and doesn't waste their time. Most importantly, that you have it done quick. So, I mean, the best recommendation I can give, um, create a mock write-up of what you would send with some key parts left blank. And those key parts are usually what the reporters going to ask. So, you know, my name is Peter. I recently founded a company called da 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 We do da 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 Based on your query about blank, um, I think I'd be the perfect person to answer the question of, of does blah, 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 blank because our company blah, blah, blank. And then, and you know, that gives you that much more to work with. And you can really read the Harrow, fill it out and send it within three minutes. That, that is a genius. lot of it is a speed game. A lot of it is a speed game. It goes out 545 East Coast time, right? 545 AM East Coast, 1245 PM East Coast, and then 545 PM East Coast. Yeah, I had a and a friend of mine on the West Coast who paid me the ultimate compliment. She goes, I know I've been awake too long on the West Coast when I get Peter's morning harrow uh, before I go to bed. 
<laughs> I know that's my recommendation to you, California. It's just stay up all night. You'll exactly. be the first. Exactly. Well, there are, you know, there are people um, who use, who, who set their mailing program on their phone to, to have the Harrow act as an alarm. And so oh they wake God. up when the 545 comes out so they can review it and answer it. Yeah, there, there are some junkies out there. Well, what I think is really genius about it is, you know, I started in journalism back when we would never have conceived of taking emailed answers as a quote right. and time, and it just changed. How did you understand that that was changing or was that just a lucky break? I started my career, I mean, I was a journalism major in the early 90s, and I wound up starting my career as, uh, my first job at a school was I helped found the newsroom in America Online. Yeah. And I watched digital news be born. And I watched the birth of digital news between us and, and MSNBC. Um, people don't realize that MSNBC actually stood for Microsoft NBC, uh, and it was a Microsoft NBC joint, joint venture. And, um, you know, we launched a newsroom in the height of the dot, well, not the height of the dot-com boom, but back when the dot-com boom was first gaining its legs in the, in the mid early mid-90s. And so by the time the dot-com boom came around, I mean, do you remember, do you remember something called Pointcast? Pointcast was this, this screensaver that would turn on and bring you information right? Bring you news to your screen while your screen was off, right? While your screen, screensaver was on. So, you know, all the, I saw where it was going and I saw more importantly that for every new bit of technology that was impacting journalists negatively. Journalists are consistently having to do 10 times more with five times less or, or scratch that reverse it. And so for me, I'm like, well, what can I do? I always said that the, the, my job as a PR person back when I did PR isn't to make a, a client happy, it's to make a reporter happy. If I make a reporter happy, the clients gonna be happy by default. So, what can I do to make that client, to make that journalist happy? And for me, that was always offering them information when I didn't necessarily have anything to pitch them. And that was really the foundation of Harrow. So, the concept of, of being able to help a journalist do more with less and mm-hmm. save time is really what sort of blew it up. And so, and you also have a book about how to, one of your earlier books was really about how to, you know, kind of awesome PR sort of stunts, would you say? Yeah. My first book, yeah. My first book was called um, uh, Can We Do That? It was all about outrageous PR stunts and, and how they can benefit your company. So, so how has it changed now? <clears throat> do you have to be more outrageous today than when you wrote the book? So, you know, it's funny. Um, I'm a talking head on CNN and MSNBC. And a lot of what they call me for back eight, nine years ago, they used to call me when, when companies or people did stupid shit. Um, you know, uh, when they took a PR stunt too far. Um, when a celebrity said something stupid. Uh, with the invention of Twitter and the dumbing down of America and, you know, our previous president and things like that, um, the bar for what stupid things actually are uh, has dropped right? or has raised, I guess, depending on how you look at it. And, you know, I don't get called about that anymore. You call about other things. But, you know, a company making a stupid statement might gather two seconds of screen time when 10 years ago it gathered 10 minutes worth. So right. you have to ask yourself, you know, where is, where is the bar? You know, it's the same thing with customer experience. The customer service bar is so damn low that I don't need you to be awesome anymore. I need you to suck slightly less than everyone else. <laughs> and the same thing sort of applies in, 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 from PR standpoint, there are so many bad pitches going out every single day in the media that I don't need you to be awesome. I need you to just get the facts right, get them to the right journalists and get their name right. I, I will, you know, my two favorite stories, one which happened a couple of days ago, and it's quickly my new favorite story. I was in an Omni Hotel in, in, in Florida two days ago, about to give a keynote. Mind you, I was doing yesterday, actually, about to give a keynote. Mind you, I was doing this uh, with, with um, Salmonella, so I wasn't happy to begin with. And I couldn't get online. And I called the front desk. I'm like, yeah, my, my, they're like, well, did you enter your last name 
and your um your room number in the box i'm like yeah like are you sure you're spelling your last name right (laughs) well it's been my last name for going on almost 50 years so I'm, i'm pretty sure i got that part down thanks um you know and then the other one my favorite is is you know um last mother's day i got a pitch i still get tons of pitches uh, all the time from media and i got one last last mother's day uh, dear peter we know that working moms like you have it tough <laughs> so you know that if that's where the bar is i don't need you to be awesome i need you to walk across fire that shit's hard i don't need you to do any of that i just need you to suck like with us i mean you are preaching to the choir this thing with hotel like basically the companies that used covid as an excuse to suck and never come back from sucking because right. right. they're just like oh no no, no we don't clean rooms anymore because of covid sorry Sorry, what does that yeah. even mean? I got the same thing. Yeah. Um, so, but in terms of a stunt that would work, you know, what what kinds of things would you recommend? I mean, I'm looking at what some of the things you talked about in that book. Um, um, a small yarn shop uh, that got people to eat their sweaters. No, no, no. The, 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 the small yarn stuff, the best one for that. Well, yeah, that was made at a hemp. So Martha Stewart ate the sweater. But the best one for the yarn shop was that we... <laughs> created a, uh, you know, the problem with the orange store is they were just outside New York City. And when you're just outside New York City, um, no one wants to visit you because, yeah. you know, New York City, might, outside New York City might as well be Wisconsin. And so what we did was we created uh, a bus and we put two giant needles on the, uh, two giant needles and two giant balls of yarn made out of like, um, you know, plastic on the roof of the bus and drove around New York City, picking people up, taking them to the yarn store and bringing them back uh, called the yarn bus. And it was, um, everywhere was a show. It was, it was on Martha Stewart. It was all over the world. And, um, they made a fortune because, you know, they were the average spend, I think for every customer was like 200 bucks and they were bringing like you know, 300 customers a day. It was crazy. Um, and so, so these PR stunts that you wrote about in the book, were they all ones you engineered? Yes. Uh, okay. Another one, uh, you got, uh, CEOs to jump out of a plane in the name of brand visibility. Who is that for? So that was for actually my PR firm. Um, I, during the dot-com boom, everyone had a PR firm and everyone was trying to do better. And, and I'm like, well, how can we get press that, you know, what can we do to invite reporters and, and potential clients to do, oh, a softball game, boring, picnic, boring, you know, dance party, boring, let's go skydiving. Someone <laughs> said, I don't remember who, one of, our, one of the main places, let's go skydiving. So 150th jumped out of a plane, we called it Web Dive 2000. We got, how we got front pages, tons and tons of press. My lawyer had a heart attack when I told him what we were doing. But it was, <laughs> it was incredible. And the best part about it, was that night, uh, 150 people, 149 of them, um, uh, you know, jumped and had a great time and um, left it at that. Now, I, I wound up getting my skydiving license and I have over 500 jumps now. I've jumped over the pyramids of Giza and, and all over the world. So, yeah, it's pretty crazy. That was your first time, though. Yeah. Um, and, okay, another one. Stolen Yoohoo truck became a promotional and media relations coup. Tell me about that one. Yeah, we had a client, uh, I was repping you at the time, and, and we had a garbage truck that traveled around the country to go going to the um, uh, Warp Tour concerts one summer, 2002. And they were followed by a truck with all the supplies, all the Yoohoo and everything like that. And that truck was stolen one night. And so we put in an APB offering a free lifetime supply of Yoohoo if someone found the truck. It was found in like 45 minutes. Oh, my God. So so um, your brain, which, you know, as you've discussed many times, works really fast. It just automatically thinks of these things. How do you think of something like that that's going to be a stunt? A lot of times it's just understanding that, hey, this could be worth, you know, I ask myself, would I want to read about this? Right. Mm-hmm. And that's really what you should be doing. You should ask yourself, is this, is this something, if, if I didn't know this company, if I wasn't attached to this brand, would I want to read this? Would I want to take a look at what's going on? Would this interest me? And if the answer is yes, you know, why not? Give it a shot and see what happens. 
I mean, I think that that is the major problem. And I, I used to come at it this way. Like we think our books are news. Our books are not news to anyone. No one no. cares about your There's book. Very they- little stuff that we do that could be considered news. Very little. A lot of it is going to be the question of what is interesting enough to be worth the time of the journalist, because so few things are. Right. Right. So the question is, what can you find that becomes interesting to the journalist? What can you, how can you take a story that would otherwise be boring as shit? Repainting your conference room is not a story. Right. So what can you find that you can then take to the journalist and say, okay, this has some interest because it's not just about me. Right. Right. I, so how have you used this for your books? Did you do stunts? How did you promote your books? Well, I mean, faster than normal. My, my most recent book, which is about ADHD, uh, is the premise that ADHD is a gift, not a curse. And every media outlet I talked to, you know, thought of it's thought that what they've been told, which is that ADHD is obviously a curse. It's a terrible thing to have. It's the worst thing in the world. I come out of the lines saying, actually, no, there's some benefit here. Right. If you understand how to use your brain in a better way, you can actually do pretty well. And, you know, saying that, oh, wow. Okay. Never thought of it that way. Give me some examples. I have four or five examples ready to go at any given time. That changes things. So yeah. it really is, it's a way of, um, can you make people think a little different? And so but it's not like you wrote that book with the with the concept like, oh, this is going to be really needed to journalists. This is what you know. I wrote the book based on how I could help people channel their inner ADHD and how they could use their advantage. But I understood how to pitch it because of what I do for a living. And so... Somebody who doesn't have your contacts and doesn't, um, you know, but has, you know, very creative brain and can think of something, what would you recommend? Let's say they're like, I want to be on the mainstream media and they've got a book about, um, uh, you know, let's try to think of something kind of boring. I have no idea. Not that this is boring. Adopting a kid. Okay. And they're like, this is my memoir. It's a really heartwarming story. How do they get media attention? Well, it's a human interest thing, right? You talk about, um, you know, I wasn't able to have children. And this was my journey towards eventually finding the child of my life. <laughs> Excuse me, finding that child who, who, who changed my life. This is the, my journey of saving a child from abuse in Russia, whatever it is. Right, right. right? You know, it's not just about, hey, I adopted a kid. Where's the better part of that story? Where's the part that would make you go, oh, wow, I want to read that? Where's the, you know, we have a very short attention span, 2.7 second attention span in this country. So what can you do to make um, the, the, the reporter or the person or the reader stop and say, okay, I'll give you more time. Yeah. Yeah. And do you, um, I, I've had, I had a previous guest who said, oh, you got to call journalists because they get no, so you many emails. Do not. You never call a journalist. No, you do not. If someone called me right now and I wasn't expecting the call, <laughs> I'd have them killed. No, um, <laughs> there is nothing good about making a phone call. The phone. I mean, I can't believe we used to answer those things without knowing who was calling. That's amazing. Isn't that outrageous? I know. Grew up in the 80s, the phone ringing, hello? No, um, no, do not. Email, text, anything that the reporter, first of all, find out how the reporter likes to get their information. The best way to do that is ask the reporter how they like to get their information. They'll tell you. Mm-hmm. And once they tell you, use that way. So how do you ask them? How You look on Twitter, yeah, where would you recommend? Email. Say, hey, curious, I got your email from Station or from wherever. I have an idea for a story. Um, what's the best way to pitch you? Mm-hmm. They will respond. They will say, oh, thanks for asking. Do it this way. Okay, so it's it's better to do that than just to go in for the pitch. Oh God, yeah, make make that first connection, even if it's you know, or or follow them online. Hey, I saw this piece you wrote on X Y Z. I I loved it. I'd love to pitch you something similar. What's the best way to do that? Read right. their bios. A lot of time they'll write out what their bios are. Right, right. So okay, and so you do occasional like you have a webinar coming up by the time this 
place. It's yeah. past um, on um, how to pitch journalists, uh, news, newspaper, TV, online, all of that. Um, can you? How often do you do these webinars? Can people just go to them? Months, yeah, and actually, you know what? You can actually, even though it's it'll be past when you run this, uh, people can still buy the audio recording. So I'm happy to give you the link. It's um, awesome. Shank Shank dot mn slash press. So S H A N K dot mn slash press. Yeah. I mean, even though the hotel doesn't know that Peter knows how to spell his last name, he does. He just <laughs> proved it. Um, so um, I'm just trying, I'm just looking at some of the things you're covering in that. Um, what guarantees you'll never get a response from a journalist? Um, pitching them the wrong way, pitching them off topic or complaining that they wrote a piece and you weren't in it. So they're obviously mistaken. <laughs> um, but you could write and say, I've actually done this effectively before you can write and say, I absolutely loved your piece. I'm I'm going to not so humbly say, Hey, you could, I also have a podcast about this topic yeah, or next whatever. Time, if you ever do this again, touching this again, feel free to file this. If you ever do this again next time. Yeah. Um, how to piggyback back off a great media hit. What's the secret? Yeah. The secret is grab that great media hit, figure out why it went, why it was a success and then alter it, alter it and pitch it in different ways. There are different, um, uh, Brands out there, they're different. Um, you know, if you got a great TV hit, how can you turn that into um, into um, press? How can you turn that into written word? How can you turn that into a blog form? How can you turn that? Maybe someone wants to follow that up on a podcast. Whatever it is. Um, you know, I had I'm remembering I had a, uh, a publicist on this podcast who said to me, "You could never get on a mainstream show first time out. You got to work your way up through local You're TV." Really I'm like, stupid. Yes. I mean, and so I said, <laughs> "That's weird," because my first TV thing was CNN, and so and so is that just someone who doesn't get how to play the game? Yeah, it's first of all, any to anyone who says anything along the lines, "You'll never," I automatically discount. I had a great teacher in school who told me that. On a true or false test, if there's or on a multiple choice test, if the answer, if one of the choices are at are usually never or always, those are usually wrong. Yeah. That's true. a great, great piece of advice. So yeah, there are tons of ways to do better than that. Yeah. You can absolutely get on CNN or Today Show your first time out if you have the right thing. Um, related to that, I had well, something I used to say uh to like, you know, uh when your thought is always or never, it's not a true thought. Exactly. I'm not always going to be like, whatever it is. So that can be applied in many, many places. Uh, what are the best email subject lines to get responses? Um, it varies. But, you know, for me, and I'm not giving away everything from the webinar, but I would say that for I've had a lot of success with just being straight up a pitch on XYZ. Mm, okay. you, know, that you get you should follow NY Times pitch bot. It's pretty funny. They, they come up with some of the worst pitches possible to be sent to the New York Times. But, um, you know, anything that you can do that's out there, um, you know, just figure out again, don't waste the journalist's time. Yeah. I'll tell you, I in pitching you because I was just looking up the email. I, and this is how I'll pitch people I really want on the podcast. I'll go podcast request 950,000 plus downloads. Not a bad thing. You said yes quickly. Yeah, I'm happy to, you know, I think at the end of the day, for me, I don't mind doing things like this because it's good karma and you yeah. never know where to lead, right? Yeah. I'm happy to help if I can. I think the more, more people in the world should help. Um, Great. Well, if you could leave, thank you so much for this, doing this while you don't feel well. Um, if you could uh, leave authors uh, with their, with one piece of advice, your final advice for them when they, if they want to get media attention for their book or for themselves, what would you recommend? Um, one piece of advice. Don't focus so much on crafting a story about you. Focus on crafting a story that other people would find interesting that includes yourself. Great. 
I love it. Well, Peter, thank you so much. Uh, Best place for people to find you. Yeah, my entire world is uh, Peter uh, Shankman.com. My uh, social name everywhere is at Peter Shankman, including Peloton. And um, yeah, reach out. I'm I'm Peter Shankman.com is my email. I'm always happy to chat. Okay, I'm going to find you on Peloton later today. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the show. Now a request from me. If you've ever used any of the tips or techniques you've heard about from the show, please take a few seconds to give the show a rating or review and find out all about how my company, Legacy Launchpad, writes and launches books at www.legacylaunchpadpub.com. See you next week.